welcome to another episode of the Coastline Covenant Podcast. Today, I sit down with Michael and Sean to discuss all things communion. We talk about the theology behind communion, the history of communion, and the way that it's been done in our previous church context. Then, Sean and Michael discuss how they've been thinking through communion at Coastline and what we can expect this Sunday as we take communion for the second time as a church family. So if you are a church history nerd, a theology nerd, or you just like hearing about how people decide to do certain things in churches, this is the episode for you. So make sure you listen, take some notes, and we will see you this Sunday at four and six to take some communion as a Coastline family. Thank you for listening to the podcast, and we will see you next week and every week after that. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Coastline Covenant Podcast. This is quite a fun one. We got two of the bros, two of the three Coastline bros in the room. That's what I'm starting to call. I'm trying to find like helpful, uh, you know, names for for different parts of the Coastline family in terms of staff. So like it's Nikki's Nook and Rochelle, so they're like the Coastline gals, right? Yeah. That's easy. And then like we're part of the Coastline bros. Do we yeah, like Rochelle's that? Rochelle's called us that. Has She's she really? told me I'm too bro-y. Or something the other day, <laughs> she told me that, which I thought I'd outgrow my broly face, but it was, I was kind of excited to hear that I hadn't. Well, Dude, your last name's Hurley, bro. You just can't get out of it. I Sorry. Yeah. I wonder though, you know, <laughs> having a, you know, children who they're kind of broy. Oh my gosh. You know, and does it like, yeah. is it kind of like symbiotic in that way where it's like their, their, you know, potential broiness feeds into your. My, my midlife crisis, like okay. their broiness and my midlife crisis combined at the same time to make me more broy. <laughs> Is we, that a thing? Yeah, right. <laughs> Can we get a psychologist on the on the horn to tell us if that's a thing? Anyway, I'm here with two of the th- three of the four coastline bros, myself included, Sean Hurley, Michael Barker. We are here to talk about something very important and very new to coastline, but not new at all in terms of like church. Mm -hmm. We're talking about communion, the Lord's Supper, because this has been quite a conversation since coastline started. We've, Mm -hmm. We've wanted to make coastline look a little bit different than other churches we've been a part of in the past. And a a big way to do that is communion. And I think we all kind of have different thoughts on communion. And so I would like to talk about that today, have a conversation theologically kind of in church practice, and then specifically want to talk to you two because you two are the ones kind of taking on the lion's share of communion at Coastline. And we're going to do communion this Sunday, Mm -hmm. and it's going to become part of a rhythm of Coastline. And and we're going to do things a little bit differently, right? Would you say that? Yeah, I think so. And I think we're still working on our way towards that. Right. Um, You know, one of the early questions we had with Coastline was, how are we going to take communion here? Right. And man, we just we talked about that for so long. Mm-hmm. We had a really hard time landing on it, uh, partly because I think we recognized it was important, and so we wanted to do it right. And yet, um, I don't think we really knew exactly what that was going to feel like. And so the last time we took communion, we literally told people, we're doing it because we recognize that our conversation is going on so long <laughs> that it's just keeping us from doing it. So we're going to do it. This is a one-off, and it's going to change. And I think uh, this coming weekend will be our attempt to try it in a d- new way and see kind of how that feels. So for those of us who maybe weren't there or hadn't been part of Coastline at that point, what mm-hmm. was communion like the first time we had di- we had done it at Coastline? What was it like? What did we do? Because I know it was different. I mean, so I think out of out of COVID precautions, we <laughs> yeah. have moved to the uh, pack, pre-packaged, yeah. you know, tasteless cracker method. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, so that's already probably something people are noticing is, oh, we're, we're doing the prepackaged thing. Um, uh, so, so that's a little different than, a little different than what we're used to back, you know, before. But uh, I, I, at the same time, other than that, you know, it was, it was basically, yeah. you know, it was standard. Should we tell them that Garrick didn't take communion completely last <laughs> oh, time? Oh my gosh. So what you guys didn't this see on stage, behind, behind the, the scenes, scenes, what you guys yeah. couldn't see on stage is that Garrick couldn't get the wafer portion of his communion packet opened. So he just faked it on stage because he couldn't get it out of the wrapper. So um, I'm sure if that happened to you, you're not alone. Um, but that's how we did it was with prepackaged and right. we kept it really basic. Yes. Now the where we'd come out of at Rolling Hills was we'd been doing dipping, right? Whether you just take the bread, dip it in the juice, but COVID wouldn't allow that. Yeah. And we wanted something more formal than that. And so we've been just journeying our way towards something new. Yeah. Did you guys see that picture like out of Q1 of quarantine of like the baby getting baptized and the priest is like squirting it with a squirt gun? No. Is that oh. real? Yeah, it's a real picture. I got to show it to you. I'll put it in the show notes. But it's kind of like that was how we chose to do communion. Like we yeah. were like, okay, there's a huge cultural, huge, you know, world thing happening. But the church and the church's traditions don't stop. We have yeah. to figure out a way to do it. And more than that, right? Like during the whole pandemic, one of the questions that uh, pastors were wrestling with was, how do you take communion during the pandemic, during the stay-at-home order and all of those things? Because Communion is is really two things. It is one, um, it is celebrating and remembering uh, the death and sacrifice of Jesus, but it's also the participation with the rest of the body, right? Right, yes. So what does communion mean when you can't take it with other people? Um, and is it meaningful? And um, if that was just a huge conversation happening there about whether or not you should take communion, whether it's helpful to take mm. it alone or whether you shouldn't. So th this is all in the ether right now. I think that's interesting, and I think we'll we'll definitely talk about communion and its unifying qualities. And so I, I think that co communion at home during COVID, like via Zoom, was so important mm -hmm. because it was really unifying you in a deeper way than we had been unified in the whole season of like, mm -hmm. I haven't been outside, I haven't seen my church mm -hmm. family besides on Zoom, and now I know we're all doing this together. I, th yeah. I think that's I think that's really, really incredible, and I'm, I'm excited to do it again in person here at Coastline Soon. But you know what's fascinating, Hunter, is that there are pastors who actually uh, passionately disagreed with that. Yeah. Because since you couldn't gather together physically, you shouldn't take communion. And their argument was withhold communion until you can actually gather back together and allow the lack of communion to build your desire for physical church gathering. Allow that to drive you towards church attendance. So, mm. I mean, these are the hard conversations yeah. that pastors are having about how do you actually administer communion in this time? Yeah, speaking of that, here's the picture of um, the baby getting baptized with the squirt gun. It's uh, a, oh a nice couple holding their, I'm imagining, daughter, and there is a priest with a pink squirt gun squirting water at it to baptize it. That's so unfair. The baby doesn't have a squirt gun to squirt him <laughs> back, you know? <laughs> That's really funny. I'm I'm literally speechless looking yeah. at that. Thing. Anyway, that's anyway, crazy. I'll, again, crazy. I'll put that in the show notes so people can see. But that's <laughs> kind of that's kind of the conversation we're having. Like in in the changing world, how do we continue to do the traditions and the sacraments of the church? And so, let's just start off really basic and kind of go forty thousand feet. What is the Lord's Supper? What is communion? Are they different? Are they the same thing? You know, they're kind of interchangeable. And I wonder that. You know, over time, we, we've just exchanged one word for another. Our, so our communion and Lord's Supper are the same thing. 
Yeah, they are. Okay, thank yeah. you. <laughs> I was looking at Michael. I wanted to see if you wanted to pick it up. Yeah, we would use those terms um, interchangeably. Okay, communion good. and the Lord's okay. Supper, absolutely the same thing. And so if we, on this episode, say Lord's Supper, communion, that is what we You should hear those as being the same word. Got it. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so what is it? It is a celebration of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And he instructs his followers that when we come together, we should uh, take the bread, which is his... Uh, broken body and take the juice, which is his shed blood. And remember that we are now united as a body and we are forgiven by his shed blood. Uh, and so it is um, a looking backwards in that way of remembering mm-hmm. what he has done for us. And yet it's also meant to also be a looking forward moment because it reminds us that um, there is a banquet coming for us in heaven, that there is a great feast that we'll be a part of. Uh, and that we are ultimately headed towards um, this eternal kingdom uh, when Jesus comes and restores all things. So it draws our our eyes backwards to his sacrifice and forwards to what is coming. And that helps us just kind of find our place in this world, which Mm -hmm. can be so far from what God intended and from what we want. Yeah. Michael, would you add anything to that? Yeah. um, So I think um, communion is is meant to be um, a sacrament, um, in the church, which is a gift of grace to us. Um, and I think grace is just a huge piece of communion. Um, I think um, it's easy for uh, for Christians to to um, almost take communion in this like recompense kind of way where it's like, well, if I take communion, then my sins are forgiven. Or if I take communion, then God will love me more. Um, almost this kind of uh, moralistic way of taking communion um, where where it's, I have to do this in order to be in better standing with God. Mm. Um, and I think um, that's actually totally against the heart of communion. It's meant to be a grace to us. It's meant to be a gift to us. We get to take communion. And yet it's also an ordinance. And it's it's also um, something uh, Christ himself calls us to do, um, commands us to do, to take this in remembrance of him. And so um, it's it's kind of a both and, right? It's the, it's the ordinance command piece and the grace gift piece to us uh, to take it. Um, so oh, it's a sacrament. It's a sacrament. So let's let's unpack that idea a little yeah. bit. Because sacrament, I think, I have talked to people, even at Coastline, but certainly in my other church experiences, a lot of Christians, a lot of Protestants came from a Catholic background. Yeah. And the idea of a sacrament is maybe a little bit heavy, has a little bit of baggage mm-hmm. attached to it. Mm-hmm. So, Sean Michael, what would you, not Sean Michael, Sean and Michael. My middle name is Michael. <laughs> yeah, so it's getting confused. It's like I'm trouble with my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, Michael and Sean, um, what would you say to someone who that's their experience? They're like, whoa, 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 we're talking about sacraments. I don't like the idea of sacraments. That's why I'm now in the Protestant church. So how would you help them unpack that? Oh, I feel like this is such a big question um, and I can go for a long time. Um, so how about this? L- let me talk for, for one minute and then Michael, you you tune up my, my sloppy thoughts. Um the discussion about what is happening in communion and what communion is, is one that has uh, split many a church in the past. Uh, and it I, is, yeah. it is full of, uh, I don't want to say controversy, but it's full of, of just debate. Um, on one side of it would be the more Catholic side, which is that um, the bread and the wine um, truly become the body and blood of Jesus. This would be transubstantiation is the language of the theological term. So, that is that they are transformed into that. Now, maybe a more moderate position would be what is called real presence, which is that 
the bread is still bread and the wine is still wine, but Christ is spiritually present mm-hmm. in them uh, to spiritually administer some sort of grace to us, non-salvific grace to mm-hmm. us. He kind of gives us grace. Um, and so it is a, a spiritual meal that we eat. And then um, perhaps, I don't want to say conservative or liberal, but the, the, the furthest point in that argument would be people saying, it's just a symbol. It is just bread. It is just juice. It is simply us doing this as a command. Uh, and it's we who are remembering the death of Jesus. And it is we who are reminding ourselves of the kingdom is coming. And we're doing the action, not the spirit itself. So the most, on sacramental, the most sacred side, Christ is, is actually there in the bread and the wine. And on the most symbolic side, is it's we are doing the action. So this is where churches tend to land on this uh, conversation. Yeah, and, and I think it's also a misnomer to think that the Catholic Church are the only ones who believe in transubstanti- transubstantiation mm-hmm. because there's Protestant uh, you know, portions of the church that believe in that too, some Lutheran churches and whatnot. Yeah. Um, high, high churches, um, high liturgical churches do believe mm-hmm. in transubstantiation. And then you've got you know uh, the Greek Orthodox Church, which believes in just mystical presence. There's yeah. it's it's actually they're not going to say it's just mystical. Yeah. <laughs> there's you know there's we, they don't know whether it's consubstantiation like the Anglicans believe what you were saying there with real presence or whether it's, you know, uh, uh, just a symbol they don't know. They just know Christ is present, yeah. it's mystical. Yeah. And so that being said, um I, you know, I I think that often what happens in in the Protestant faith is that we we're we're kind of a little bit afraid of becoming anything Catholic because that's where we've come from Mm -hmm. out of the reformation. We saw some problems and so Mm -hmm. we've come from that. So we're afraid of, of approaching things that would align us with the Catholic church. And yet there's huge portions of, of the Protestant faith that do align in some ways with the, with the Catholic church. So we don't have to be afraid to, to breach these conversations and, and ask questions. Yes. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think the point of this conversation to ask questions and bring Bring it up. And so let's use language here. So sacrament would mm-hmm. be kind of the more sacred. sacred. Think of that sacrament sacred. Like, so you see there's being uh, more of a presence of God, something more spiritual happening in it. Right. And then the other language, kind of the other side you're talking about, you'd say is an ordinance. Yeah. Something that's ordered to you, something okay. that is commanded of you. So where do you fall, Sean? You know, I have been an ordinance person for most of my life. I feel like I'm growing in my sacramental appreciation for it. And that comes out of uh, really my reading out of 1 Corinthians 11, which at 1 Corinthians 11, Paul's actually warning the church in Corinth that they are taking communion in an unworthy manner. He says, you're, you think of it too low. He says, mm-hmm. some of you are coming, you're, you're, and, and for them, they're eating this full meal. Some of you are eating food. Some of you aren't getting any food. Some of you are getting drunk on the wine. Um, and he said, you think of this too low. It, there's something more that's happening. And he tells them this great quote. He says, he says, this is why some of you have gotten weak and ill and why some of you have even fallen asleep, died, because you've taken communion in an unworthy manner. And he said, you need to stop and contemplate the body of Christ. Uh, and so this meal is one that can actually, if you take it in an unworthy manner, can physically harm you. So there is something powerful, spiritual there that makes it more than just a symbol. Mm-hmm. Now, where do I fall on the sacred line? <laughs> I think I'm trying to find my way there. Yeah. But there is something more sacred in there than we uh, are aware of. And I do believe that um, God does profoundly meet us when we take communion, that it nourishes us, us spiritually. 
And just as we would starve without spiritual food, I believe that we can starve ourselves spiritually by not taking mm-hmm. the Lord's Supper together uh, as a church and by communing with God. Rad. What about you, Michael? Same question. Where do you fall in kind of that spectrum? Yeah, I, I think I would, I actually relate a ton with you, Sean, on that kind of that journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I started off in a Baptist church as a kid. And yeah. so it was very much merely a symbol. That was, right. that's the phrase that would be thrown around. This is merely a symbol. Wedding ring, college yeah. degree. Those exactly. Kind of things, yeah. Right. Wedding ring, college degree. So that being said, um, uh, you know, that's kind of where, where I was growing up. Um, but the, the more I've taken it and the longer that I've, I've mm. even just read scripture when, when Jesus actually, uh, calls us to, uh, communion in, in, uh, the last supper, um, he does so. And he, what he says is this is my body broken for you. This right. is my blood shed for you. He doesn't say this is like my body. <laughs> this is similar to my blood, my blood. It's actually, this is. And so to me, it's almost like Christ in that moment is saying, whether it, whether it physically transforms into my body or not, mm-hmm. in essence, in in heart, in uh, spiritual kind of meaning, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it is just as much as anything else. If Christ says that it is, it is. <laughs> you know. So yeah. so to me, as I take it, I take it. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm not on the transubstantiation side. I don't believe that as I'm taking this, it's actually converting into flesh as it mm-hmm. goes into my stomach. I don't believe that, but I do believe it is just as much um, the body and blood of Christ because Christ says it is. Yeah. So I'm probably more in that like consubstantiation, spiritual spiritual presence side of things. But I, I also, it's hard for me because I grew up as a Protestant in, yeah. in like a Baptist church. So it's hard for me to say, yeah, I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a middle place, like probably where you're at. Sean. Yeah. I would agree that a lot of people listening probably have too low a view of communion. I, I totally think so. And that's not I their totally fault. Think so. I, th- I think partly it's our fault. That's what I was just going to say. Mean, like that's on us. When I, th- so this is the funny thing. Like when we were doing uh, communion at Rolling Hills, um, for us, we were doing it with bread dipped in the juice <laughs> and people would ask us questions like, why do you do it that way? And there was no theological thought between for why we did it that way. It was completely practical at the time. Mm. We were like running the small service across the street. No one was paying attention to it. Um, the communion team wasn't able to help us. So they couldn't give us the little cups and they wouldn't provide us the wafers. And so we just had to make it up on our own. And so we did it kind of how we done in youth group, quite honestly, uh, of grab some bread, tear it off, dip it in juice and partake it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, although I don't think that you sin when you take it that way. The cumulative effect of taking it like right. that over the course of years and decades makes it seem too low. You to get me conditioned in believing that's how communion should be. Yeah, yeah. And there was things I lo- I love that people had to get up and walk forward to take it. I thought that was powerful that um, you weren't served. You had to go voluntarily take it. I love that. Yeah. But the other side of it. I don't think I realized the effect of that over time about how that might change the way people see mm-hmm. communion. Yeah. And that's a really good reflection. And as we start something new, like it's really fun to be able to look back and say, maybe we can do better Yeah, and we can try that now. Yeah. The bread dipping method, you know, it's just like more and more communal as time goes on <laughs> throughout the, the service. You know, the first guy gets the fresh, the fresh uh, <laughs> grape juice and the last guy gets, you know, Filled yeah. with everyone else's bread. And let's be honest, it's really gross eating soggy bread, yeah, too. It's pretty so gross. You, you do it trying to make it something spiritual, but every, like, your whole body's like, this is nasty. Yeah. 
It it is. And now that I'm thinking back on it, yeah. like it's good with chips and salsa to like dip in the same thing. But like yeah. with bread and nah. juice, no way. Not into that. Yeah. Um, okay, so we've kind of talked about the spectrum of like practice, but let's talk about kind of the philosophy or I should say the theology behind communion. It is not this random thing. Jesus just one day is like, Oh, here's some bread and here is some wine. Let me do communion. Like this is actually a really um, rich tradition in scripture. So you guys want to talk about kind of where we find communion first and then how it kind of gets to where it gets to. I could do this. I'm willing to do this, but Hunter, <laughs> you know this so well. And when you've talked about in the past, I've always thought you were incredibly articulate. So no, I would much rather take I'm you not. out of the post role and put you into the pastor role. You and, get to um, go, buddy. Funny. Oh, well, I mean, just 40,000 foot level again, it's the Passover story mm-hmm. in God passes over those that have the blood of the lamb on the doorpost before he liberates his people out of Egypt. Um, And the whole Exodus narrative is a really interesting story about God overturning literally the gods of Egypt, those um, kind of spiritual forces in and around Egypt that are causing the Israelites to be enslaved. And, And as God liberates them, he says, you know, I'm going to pass over those houses that have the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, kind of saying, you're with me. And that's where you get the idea of Passover. And so every year, you see it actually in Exodus 12, 14, the Lord says, this is the day you are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. So this idea that every year you rehearse the story, you take blood and you take uh, food and you sacrifice it again and you eat it again and say, look, this is to remind us where we came from and where we're ultimately going mm-hmm. as a full liberation of all of the evil forces of the world. And I think that's where Jesus goes, especially in the Gospels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You see him um, during the Passover festival. It's like literally that time of year. And what I love about it is all of the disciples with him in that upper room as, as they're taking communion, they would have done this or they're doing the Lord's Supper, the Passover festival. Mm-hmm. They would have done this their whole entire lives. Yeah. Like they were sitting there and Jesus starts doing the Passover meal. Like you go to Christmas dinner and your mom does the same thing. Your grandparents rehearse the same things. It's like, okay, we're going to do this every year. And then Jesus starts talking about the lamb as himself. So mm-hmm. like imagine just the the brain fart that you have of yeah. like wait what is he talking about like I yeah. can do this from memory yeah like I know exactly what he's saying but instead of him saying this is what happened this is he's like this is what's happening and this is the role I play in it and he I think, takes literally their most sacred story yeah. and totally tr- reinterprets it and they must have been incredibly nervous mm. I, I nervous confused frustrated and then like if you pair it with what happens the next day yeah like i mean th- th- w- there's no category for this no. and, and <laughs> that's the beauty of communion that we get to celebrate that so yeah. you see it in scripture you see exodus 12 matthew 26 um and then we're doing a series on acts right now and so i think it's interesting uh, acts 242 talks about communion mm-hmm. and then also sean talked about first <clears throat> corinthians uh, 11 and mm-hmm. We see that all happening. And, and I guess my question now, kind of after, you know, talking too much. I don't no, like man, that was so good. I don't that like was talking. Good, that was so good. How often should you do communion? Because it says Acts 2.42, they yeah. broke bread together daily. Christ says, do this every time you gather. Yeah. When in, you know, 1 Corinthians, and maybe it's in 3 Corinthians where Paul says, do it once a month. I don't know. Is it? <laughs> don't scare people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Okay, this has been a topic of a lot of discussion yes. at Coastline. Yeah. Um, is how often should you take it? There are plenty of churches who take it uh, every uh, week time together. Um, and that comes out of the scriptural command that, you know, whenever you come together, do this. Um, and there are other churches who believe that that um, 
is something that needs to be done regularly, but not weekly. Uh, and that is partly to keep it sacred, I think, to let it not become familiar uh, through the weekly practice. And also the logistical challenge of setting up communion every week is, I think, also why some churches do it. Um, I cannot tell you there's a right or a wrong way. I think uh, for for Coastline, we've talked about doing it weekly. I still think there's a chance that in time we could end up having it served in some capacity weekly. We'll start monthly uh, because I think... Uh, that is the familiar pattern for people who attend Coastline. We're kind of getting our, our arms around it right now, what it means. We want to keep it sacred. And mm-hmm. also the complexities of COVID make yeah. it a challenge to do it um, through something more regular than that right now. Right. And I guess that question that I just asked about frequency is kind of going to launch me now into this. So we've talked about the theology of it. Like it's a ordinance sacrament kind of yeah. thing. and. We, we should absolutely be doing it as the church and it, it helps us, it ties us not only to the tradition of faith through ancient Israelites, to Jesus, to the early church, but it also binds all believers together kind of when they do it together. And so mm. my question now is how have you guys been thinking about communion? Cause this is the reason we're doing this episode is not just kind of a theological primer on communion, but there is a, um, a moment that we have as a church to kind of start how we do communion and you two have been the ones thinking about it. So I'm interested um, in, having a conversation, Michael and Sean, about what have your thoughts been heading into communion? What's been the process behind the scenes as we head towards Sunday? Like, what have you been thinking? What have you been wanting to do differently? What have you been wanting to add? What have you been wanting to take away? Things like that. So just let the people know kind of what, what's been going on in your head about communion. Yeah. So, um, I think the first thing that we wanted to do is realize like, we're not, we're not reinventing this thing. Like it's, it, it, communion has been a thing in the church for years and years and years. We're not here to be like renovators of communion. <laughs> like that's, that's, we're not renovating communion. It's, it is what it is. Right. Right. Um, so we, we want to first just be humble in that way as best as much as we can. And so what we've been doing is we've been seeking the scriptures. We've been seeking wise counsel through friends and even looking at, um, you know, different liturgies, uh, found in, from different churches, from the, um, uh, the covenant book of prayer. I mean, we've just been looking at, at various different resources to try and, you know, search this out and figure out how we're going to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. and so that's, that's the first thing. Um, and, and then I think what we, what we went to, we went to the drawing board and we said, okay, can we find our, our church's values, boldly biblical spirit seeking, holy worshiping, Holy family. Can we find those four things in the practice of communion? Can, can those things live, um, in communion? And, and so we, um, we, uh, Sean actually developed a, um, kind of a liturgy for us. Mm. Um, and then we started looking in there saying, Hey, look, there's actually places in here where you see those things living out. Um, and, and then we, we started thinking about what are the, the main things that are important in communion, um, and I kind of came up with four big kind of topics and the four are, are they, do they have any alliteration or do you need me? There's no alliteration. Yeah, maybe you, you can that. find a good, like, <laughs> yeah, let me just read them off. I'll, I'll figure it yeah, out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so the first thing was that, um, communion, uh, should, we, we already said this before, but it should communicate grace. Um, so close. Yeah. So it should communicate grace. And, and what that means is, is that we are, um, we, we should know in communion that we are known and yet accepted, um, mm. that we are broken and yet we're loved. Um, and that, um, it, 
kind of communion is a moment to be honest with God. It's com- it's a moment for confession. It's a moment to recognize, um, you know, the grace that God has had on us. Um, and in that, the Spirit is with us. And so that um, Spirit-seeking value you can find there um, as a church. The other one would be remembrance, um, that there's um, thanksgiving to be found there um, in what Christ has done. Um, and and um, we look to the cross and remember, remember Christ. Um, the next one would be communal, that it would be familial, that it would be um, a corporate expression um, as a family, not just something we're doing individually. And the last one would be that it would be responsive, mm. that communion wouldn't just be something we do in church, but it would be something that spurs us on to worship um, to greater degrees in our life. Um, and so all that to say, um, yeah, so those were the kind of the meanderings of my brain (laughs) as we were trying to figure this thing out. And if you're not familiar with the word liturgy, what it means, like Mm -hmm. what is a liturgy? What does it mean to be liturgical? It is basically a way to order a worship service. Um, that goes beyond three worship songs, announcements, uh, sermon, meet and greet beyond that. Um, but a more structured worship service that has elements that repeat themselves every week, that you do them every week or every time you take communion. Um, and through the repetition, it becomes like a discipling method mm-hmm. for people that you learn things. Um, yeah. It, so like a great example I would use is um, like if you've ever learned a, a worship song that has scripture in it, um, what you find is that by learning the song, you're memorizing scripture. Mm-hmm. Right. And you end up drawing through difficult times or challenging times or of your life. You can draw from a song and take the scripture truth and apply it to your life. And so it's a wonderful way for a a song to form you spiritually. Right. The question is like with with communion, how can we create something that when we do it, we are teaching ourselves about what Jesus has done and who we are in him and what grace is available to us through the the telling of it. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think and this is what I want to try. We may get out 12 months this and decide it doesn't work. It's to create something that's more formal than what you're used to, that is repetitive and every time we do it, to the point that you, you, the congregant, memorizes it. And out of that, you're able to draw from that memorization. Love that. Through times when you need to connect with the Lord or need to be reminded of his love for you or the grace that you've given, that none of this is by earning. And so uh, we're hoping that through that memorization comes... Uh, a foundation for people that, that they can build their faith on. I love that. I think that's really insightful. And I, I just, I think about the most powerful times of experiencing the Lord outside of church in my life and probably in our lives. It is from like a worship song or like mm-hmm. you take something you heard in a sermon once. Mm-hmm. Not to say that it's not like seeped in scripture, but like when we are rehearsing and speaking and doing things together in community. Yeah then those things get embedded in our hearts a little bit differently and a little bit more honestly, like like with more stronger connection than if we're just like sitting and reading our Bibles, which is also good. But I, I think that's yeah. really exciting. And the fear that we have internally is that it could become so ritualized yep. that it loses meaning, right? That you just mentally check out because, oh, it's mm. this thing again. And I don't know how you balance that um, because that's not what we want. So liturgy will likely change over time mm-hmm. in some ways. But for a season, we're going to try this and see how it shapes us. Yeah. While not necessarily knowing how it works. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think this is a moment for us as a church to, to dive into embracing tensions. Mm. And the tension is that we want communion to feel, uh, very like deeply reverent and intentional, 
while at the same time being very relatable and heartfelt. Both of those things. And I, I think whenever you start to kind of emphasize one of those things over the other, it's time to draw back towards the middle so that we are embracing the tension of it. Yeah. And we don't want to lose those two things. And so I think for some people, it might feel a little more clunky than what you're used to. There's going to be some call and response moments where the, <laughs> where the, where the congregation responds together collectively out loud. That, that might, we're going to stumble through that probably the first couple times we do mm-hmm. it. Um, for others, it's going to feel like a, fresh, you know, a breath of fresh air um, um, and, and probably deeply symbolic and meaningful. Um, so um, we're going to stumble through this together, but I think in the end, we're going to find ourselves... Um, uniting in, in deep ways in, in ways that we maybe weren't expecting. I think, yeah, if we don't, if this doesn't connect us more to each other and to the Lord, then we'll rethink it. Then it's literally not communion. <laughs> well, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? You or know, maybe it literally you is. You can do communion yeah. and you can have a certain way about your heart. I, I, I love that. I, 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 this is the first time I'm hearing you guys talk about this mm-hmm. too. This is all happening in real time for me, but I I'm excited. And I mm-hmm. think that people will be really excited to, to try this and have something new. And so what would you say to a congregant who hears this and they're like, Hmm, I don't know about that. Yeah. Uh, we get it. <laughs> we really get it. I think we've, we've internally um, debated the right way to do it and the wrong way. And so if right. you find yourself on the other side of, I wish it was more casual, casual, just know that there is somebody on the coastline staff who represents that point of view. Yeah, and good. if and you her think name you is wish, Nikki, so no, <laughs> and if you wish it was more <laughs> formal, there's somebody on the coastline team who reflects that right. point of view too. Right. Uh, we're fairly diverse in how we want to approach this. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I would encourage you is if you're at Coastline, I'm willing to bet for the last five years, you have been a part of a very casual uh, communion um, experience. Um, this is a chance to lean into the other side and to learn and grow from it. Mm. Um, and again, I believe that God waits to commune with us in this in a unique way, and there's the opportunity of communing with other people as well. So, dude, the coastline people are amazing. Uh, I, I don't doubt that they're going to be willing to step into it. Right. Uh, I appreciate the trust that they put in us as pastors to uh, shepherd them in this way. Yeah. Michael, any thoughts? Any any wrap-ups? No. I, I mean, I guess I'm just excited to do it, you know? It's just, I, I feel like this is us being the church. Yeah. This is yeah. what the church does. Like when we baptized a couple of weeks ago, I felt the same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is us doing what the church does. Yeah. And so just excited to be with our community doing what the church does. And baptism is another sacrament. It is, right? It, so, it absolutely is. So the, by doing baptisms, I, I know a lot of people were like, I, I literally was like, this is what we signed up for. Communion. It's also what we signed up for. Yeah. And when we when we did uh, when we did baptisms at the beach, right? It's a longer walk than I think we realized yeah. down a steeper <laughs> ramp than we were ready for. Or the world's sharpest stairs. Yeah. A, uh, a much higher tide and the waves were pumping. I mean, Michael's guitar case <laughs> got swept out to sea, I think, basically. Right. So there's a bunch of ways that it goes wrong. And yet when we're down there, it was a profoundly Huge. impactful moment. And when you look at the picture, you cannot help but see the joy on our face. Why? Because... Through the experience of the sacrament of baptism, we were fed. Yeah, we were ministered to. We were joined to the Lord and joined to each other, and we had an experience of God's grace. Mm-hmm. And so, even when it's clunky, mm-hmm. I mean, I've served communion using like grape flavored Snapple. Even when it's clunky, <laughs> it still can administer God's grace to us and grow us. So that's, that's the episode it. title. Even when it's clunky, it's communion. Yeah, right. Look at that. Yeah, Ooh, that's good. Well, thanks guys for jumping in and talking with me and I'm excited. Thank you guys for your hard work and thinking about communion. I will admit like 
it's been funny to watch you two interact this week uh, talking about communion because it's like because we get along so poorly and I just can't. No, it's really stand to be around Michael for this long. It's but. it's more of like same here. You're <laughs> such a bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's more of like oh man, if those two guys are up to something, you know, it's going to be like equally deep and smart and insightful and great for the church. And so you're kind of on the other end watching you two interact, and I, that's why I was kind of selfishly excited for this episode. I'm like, I kind of get to hear it first. Yeah, <laughs> and and we're going to do this with the staff this afternoon yep. to see how it goes. Yep. And so, um. It remains a work in process, and it could change the number of times between when we recorded the podcast and when it, when we actually do it on yeah. Sunday. Might, Come Sunday, even, you guys might experience something completely different than what we just said. Yeah, <laughs> there might be an emergency app between the four and six service on Sunday. Like we have uh, redacted everything in the previous episode, <laughs> and we are doing communion like this now. But hopefully, yeah. that won't happen, and I don't think it will. Okay, well, thanks, guys, and uh, we'll yeah. see you on Sunday for communion and every week thereafter. That's not. Will you do it in the intro? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs>